Give them a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> right, hello, everyone. All right, so as you can see on the screen up there tonight, I'm going to be sharing a little bit about um, how we spend time with God. I know Rob talked about this a few Sundays ago. I wasn't there for that, but I'm going to try to give it my best shot. <laughs> so when I was like contacted about talking about this specific topic, like I was super excited. I was like, wow, that's cool. But also like, wow, that's terrifying. Because like really, what topic is there more important than spending time with God? Right? Like, isn't that the beginning and middle and end of like every effort we undertake for the sake of our like spiritual life? Right, and we see that in the Bible over and over. Like the Bible is full of cries for the people of this world to come into a relationship with God, right? But where I want to focus tonight is on a passage in Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. There's a lot of them, but I'm just going to start with that. So Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24 says, This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises mercy, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. The most important, worthwhile thing we can do is to come and to understand and to know the Lord. Right? Like that's what the Lord made us for. Like that was his plan from the beginning, and that's his plan and desire for us still now. Because right, if you think back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, like how does the book start? It's with God and man living and dwelling together in personal experience in the garden, right? And then how does the book end? It's God and man living and dwelling together in personal experience here on a new earth. Right, so we can't miss this point. Everything involved in the process of spiritual growth has to do with restoring our connection and communion with the Father. But right, that doesn't happen overnight. Like Jeremiah says with his examples at the beginning, like a wise person doesn't get there overnight. Right? You don't go to the gym once and end up strong. Right? Like you don't go to work one day and end up rich. Right? We wish those things happened. Like we wish there was an immediate reward for our effort. But like we wouldn't expect any of those things to happen. We can't expect the reward of understanding and knowing God to come without the extended, long art effort of seeking him. Right, so I promise, like, while that sounds like it's a lot, it's really not as hard as it sounds. Because this isn't a one-sided effort, right? God wants to be known. He tries so hard to make himself known to us. Right, if we want to know him, we will. Because he's constantly revealing himself to those who seek him. Because just a few chapters later in Jeremiah, the Lord makes this promise. And he says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So if we truly want the Lord, he promises us that we will have him. A.W. Tozer wrote this book called Pursuing God, and in that book he says that God waits to be wanted. Right? He's waiting on us, because he's always there. And scripture teaches us that he's already seeking us, just like a shepherd seeks a lost sheep, like God is already pursuing our hearts. But if God is really all around us like he says he is, then what does that take from us? We just have to open our eyes, right, to see that he's already there. And so I think the question we have to ask ourselves is not, are we able to seek our creator? Because I think it's abundantly clear in his word that if we seek him, we will find him, right? 
James 4, 8 says, to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Matthew 7, 7 instructs us to ask and it will be given to us, to seek and we will find, to knock and it will be opened to us. All right, so it's evident that God wants us to seek him and that he promises to show himself to those who pursue him. So I think the real question is not, can we know God? But it's, do we actually want to know God? Do you want God? This isn't a question I ask lightly. This isn't a question I ask myself lightly. And that, your initial response to that question, like mine, is probably to dismiss it, right? Because of course we want God. Or at least we want to want him. We think we want him. We pretend like we want him. Because what does it mean for us to actually be honest and admit to ourselves that we don't want God nearly as much as we see we do, say we do? That we actually want far less of God than we convince ourselves that we do? Because we keep our hearts and our mouths closed because we want to keep up like a pretendence that we have this all together, right? That we're walking far closer to the Lord than we are in our heart of hearts that we know we are. And so I don't say this to make you nervous or feel bad about yourself or to doubt where you stand with the Lord, but I say this to make it clear that before we can spend time with God the way he wants us to, we have to be honest with ourselves about how much we want to know him. Because when we're honest and recognizing that we lack the desire to know God as he wants to be known, then we give him the space to build that desire within our hearts. So our problem is this. We need to want more of God. We are far too comfortable. I am far too comfortable of settling for far too little of God. We settle way too quickly for, like, a passive intellectual knowledge of God without desiring the all-consuming fire of his presence. So the same guy A.W. Tozier writes in that book, For it is not mere words that nourish the soul, but God himself. And unless and until the hearers find God in personal experience, they are not the better for having heard the truth. The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men into an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him, that they may delight in his presence, may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of their hearts. And Jesus speaks to that same point in the book of John, saying that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. In knowing the Lord, there is life. So I like looking up a bunch of words in the dictionary. If you know, if you've been like a small group with me, I'm always looking up some random small word. And so when I was reading that verse, I got to like, they may know you. And so I looked up the word knowledge, just to give a better picture. And so Merriam-Webster themselves give the definition of knowledge as an awareness or familiarity gained by the experience of a fact. So life, in the way Jesus defines it, is not just knowing God in intellect, but knowing him in experience. The aim of life isn't just to like intellectually comprehend God, to like understand all the theology surrounding him, but to experience his presence in personal relationship. And so after all that introduction, how do we actually spend time with God? And so that's something I'm like, who am I to answer that question, right? Like this is God we're talking about. And I don't think there's one single prescribed way to do that, but I feel like the best place we can look to figure out how to start spending time with God 
is to look at the life of Jesus. Because right? if there's anyone who understood how to commune with the Father, it was him. So from the life of Jesus, we see lots and lots of habits that we can incorporate into our own life. But tonight, I just want to focus on three of these habits that I found to be personally fruitful in my life and spending time with the Lord. And so the first of these habits is to, one, prioritize time alone with God. We are a people who struggle mightily with being still, right? We are constantly trying to fill our time and our minds and our attention with whatever we can get our hands on. Like, there's always so much fighting for our attention. But if we look at Jesus' life, we see that he made an active effort to be alone and to get quiet with the Father. Scripture tells us that Jesus would often depart from his disciples to find, like, a solitary place to spend time with the Father. And it's not like Jesus didn't have anything going on, right? Like, he was a busy man. And he still knew the importance of that for his own spiritual life. And so we can do the same. We are not more busy than Jesus was. And so if he could make time to spend time with the Father alone, then we can do the same. And so this is something I found to be super, super helpful in my own life. Because every time I can actually like, get alone by myself and to quiet my mind and like, put my full attention on God, I find him so near. And so this is something I've incorporated to my mornings for a long time. Um, even if it's just a few minutes to like, sit and be still with the Father, like, that's always such a good practice. So, again, there's lots and lots of ways that can look, but that's just one that I have found to be fruitful for myself. The second habit we see from Jesus' life and spending time with the Father is that he dwelled in Scripture. Because Jesus, like pretty much everyone living in the ancient Near East, didn't have, like, a physical copy of scripture that he kept on him with all times, right? Like, scripture was in scrolls in a temple. But there's no mistaking that Jesus was intimately familiar with the words of God written in scripture, right? Like, it's obvious that he had spent extended time meditating on and memorizing scripture. And so you can see how that shapes the way he interacts with people and the way he works with his disciples, and just views the world in general. And so if Jesus could do that not having immediate access, then what excuse do we have for not knowing the Bible the way he did? Because we have it on us all the time, right? Like we have immediate access to any word of God in scripture at any point. And I can say this from my own experience, and I'm sure if anyone else has like explored the word that you can say the same, that that has been some of the most important fruitful time in my walk with the Lord, is getting to know him through his word. Because, like we said, God really does reveal himself in mighty ways through his word. So, again, if we look at the life of Jesus, we can see the importance of abiding in scripture. And then finally, as I wrap up, the third habit we see in the life of Jesus is that he prayed all the time. Right? And praying was the way he connected with God. So, I mean, you can see any time in the gospel, Jesus is praying whether he's in the midst of his disciples with them or and he's by himself as he's, you know, isolating and departing from the crowds. And so here we really see the strongest model of how to spend time with God from the Lord. Because Jesus always spent time talking to his Father. He knew just how important that was. And I know tonight as we break off into our small groups, we're going to look at, like, a model for how to do that. Um, but I just think, you know, Jesus' life really just shows how 
vitally important prayer is to getting to know and to understand the Lord. Because if we want to know God, we have to spend time with him, right? And so while I've done this in part, I've certainly not figured all of this out. And there's still so much about living life and communion with the Lord that I still have to grow into. But thankfully, he has given us everything we need to do so. He wants to be known. And we can know him. Like, guys, we can know God. That idea should rock our world. It's like, that is not something that we should take lightly. And while there's a ton of different ways and methods that people have used throughout history, there's no better place to start than the life of Jesus. Right, so if you want to learn how to do that better, start with Jesus. Ask the people around you that you know do this well. Right? Because there's nothing sweeter than to know the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for letting us know you. Lord, it is no surprise that you know who we are, God. You are just that big. But Father, the fact that you let us know you in personal experience is just such a gift. So Lord, we confess tonight that we don't want you nearly as much as we should. And so Father, I just pray tonight that you will just build that desire within our hearts, build that desire within my heart to know you more. Father, to know you deeper and more fully. And so, Father, we just thank you that you promise us, Lord, that if we seek you, we will find you. And so I pray tonight as we gather and work on doing this better, Father, that you will just reveal yourself to us in true personal experience tonight. So, Lord, we just thank you for your son, Jesus, and all that he has instructed us and shown us how to do. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.